This morning we're going to look at encouraging one another. How many of you feel encouraged this morning? How many of you are an encourager? How many of you need an encourager? All right. So there's a book. I don't know if you've read it. It's an interesting book. I was able actually to go listen to the speaker live, give a presentation. His name is Dr. Gary Chapman. He wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. How many of you are familiar with The Five Love Languages? All right. Well, the premise of the book is that God has created us in a way that we all have a certain thing that makes us feel loved and valued and encouraged. And the five that he gives in the book are words of affirmation, where we encourage each other, acts of service, physical touch, quality time, and gifts. One of those five typically is the one thing that encourages us the most. Some of us love it when we get gifts. Some of us need those words of affirmation. Uh, Some of us need physical touch. And uh, some of us need quality time. These are things that encourage us and they uplift us. The interesting thing when I was able to listen to his talk and read his book is that I recognized that these are not things that come naturally. Typically, we have to be intentional about them. And hearing the testimonials of these men and women in these relationships, and when they began to understand the other person's love language, and they began to um, show them love in a way that really encouraged them just to see the difference in their lives. One of the things that that I I went away with, and and I think about on a regular basis, is that many times people will say, well, I just, I'm not good at encouraging. I'm not good at giving gifts. I don't speak that language. And one of the things Gary Chapman says is he says, when you go to another country, you don't expect them to speak your language. You have to learn their language. How many of you have learned another language or attempted to? So when I was in school, you had to take Spanish. Uh, My son is currently taking Spanish. Uh, That is not easy. Conjugations, different formats to how people speak, different order. Uh, When I was in in seminary and we looked at the Hebrew language, Hebrew is one of the most complex languages. Greek is one of the most complex languages in the world. It is not easy to learn a new language. And yet if we want to speak the language, we've got to be disciplined and committed to doing it. And so my encouragement as we go through this is, um, are we willing to commit to learning how to encourage each other? In love, Are we willing to make that commitment? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's comfortable. I'm not saying it's fun. But I am saying it has results. And I do believe it is what God calls us to on a daily basis. And so the premise of this morning, the question I want to look to God's word and, and try to find out what he has an answer for this. And the question I want us to think about is what moves you? What moves you? How many of you have some leaves in your yard right now? All right, you know how you move leaves? All right, how many of you would like something like this to move your leaves with? Amen, all right. Something's moving the leaves, whether it's a rake, whether it's uh, one of these blowers, or whether it's the wind, right? Something is moving the leaves. You realize something is moving you in life? Something is moving you. There's a reason you got up. There's a reason you did the career you had. There's a reason you were in the relationships, the the marriage or the friendships or anything that's happened in your life. Something moved you to do those things. You are constantly moving. The question is, what is moving you? 
What is moving you? Is it fear that moves you? Do you do things out of fear? Is it pride? Is it survival? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it comfort? Is it happiness? Is it ambition? Is it pride? Or is it the Holy Spirit? So what moves me to do the things that I do? What moves you to do the things that you do? And how can we encourage each other in that? That is what I am asking God to speak to us about this morning. So before we look to his word, we'll be looking in Hebrews to begin. If you want to turn there, let's proceed with prayer. Father God, we are thankful for today. We know that you are holy. We also know that you are love. And Lord, only you can truly fill us the way that we need to be filled. Only you can give us um, peace, fulfillment, purpose. And so this morning, Lord, we come to you to worship you. We come to you now. We ask that your will would be done. We ask that you would give us exactly what we need, whether it is physical, whether it's spiritual, emotional, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that we would understand the things that you want us to know. And Lord, as we think about this, this idea of movement, why do we do what we do? Are we encouraging or discouraging? Help us, Lord, to be honest. Help us to trust you. And Lord, protect us because we know that there's a sin within us that wants to pull us away. There's an enemy without that wants to pull us away from you. And so, Lord, help us um, to stay on the path that you have. And we look forward to what you're going to do. We look forward to your return. Please speak to us now. Give us wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is one of the New Testament books. It was written to Hebrews, Jewish people. Uh, when Christianity started, when Jesus raised from the dead and he met with his disciples and he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, in Jerusalem, a church started and then churches began to start all over that area of the world. And many of those people that attended those churches were, Jew were Jews and they were dealing with major challenges. The, the first church was living under a very dictator, strong, uh, very evil leadership that wanted to uh, decimate and destroy them. And so the Jews of that time were living in very difficult situations. And, and many of them were losing relationships because of their faith in Christ. They were losing jobs because of their faith in Christ. And so this book is there as an encouragement and a point of reference of what we're to do, how we're to live when we follow Christ. And so we're going to look beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And so here you have these Jewish people that are going through very difficult things, very challenging things, and yet the writer says, let us hold strong, let us be unswerving, let us continue to place our hope in the thing that is going to give us victory, the thing that is going to give us a future, and that is the one who has promised it is faithful. He is faithful. And so this morning, as we think about this idea of where we're going and why we do what we do, are we unswerving in our faith? Because that's really the question. 
The question is, tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, where is our point of reference? Where is our faith? Because what's moving me is where I'm focusing. What's moving me is where my focus is. What's moving me is what I think about, what I meditate on. And so here, the author is saying, let us make sure that we are unswervingly focusing on the one who is faithful in his promises. This is the way. This is the way. This is the only way. This is the direction we've been given. This is the hope that we have. Our future is set because Christ has set it for us. And so this is the way. Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider then how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider, let us think about how we can spur each other on. When you get up in the morning, when you came here to church today, were you thinking about ways you could encourage other brothers and sisters on how to love and how to have good deeds in their life? Because that's what it's saying here. It's saying the one another, we as a group are to come together and we're to encourage each other to love and good deeds. You know, as a pastor, and I'm, for many of you, you've been in church, it can become discouraging because you sense that there's not a lot of encouragement, right? There's a lot of criticism in the church. There's a lot of backbiting in churches. There's a lot of fighting in churches. And sometimes there's a lack of encouragement. And yet this is the very thing we've been called to do. We've been called to find ways to encourage each other. I, haven't been, I don't come up here on Sunday to look for ways to make you feel bad or discourage you. Or attack you. My prayer is that when we meet together, that you are encouraged and you are uplifted and you recognize that the Holy Spirit of God desperately loves you and deeply desires to guide your life and to promise and hope and peace. And I hope you're encouraged. And I hope this is a point of, um, if it's challenging, it's challenging in a healthy direction for movement and growth. And I think we need to consider these things. So what is love? If we're, to, if we're to spur each other on, if we are to encourage one another towards these things, what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. That's a powerful passage. And God's Holy Spirit is teaching us that you and I right now one of the jobs and responsibilities we have in this life is to look around this room and consider, how can I encourage love here? How can I encourage us to be patient with each other and be patient with those that are in the world? How can I encourage kindness? How can I encourage that we would resist boastful pride or envy? That we would not dishonor each other? that we would not be self-seeking, that we would not be easily angered, 
that we would keep no records of wrong, that we would delight in what is true and we would reject what is evil, that we would consider the protection of all others, that we would trust, that we would place our hope in, and that we would persevere together. Do you know that there's an emptiness in all of us that can only be filled with this kind of love? That whole book, the five love languages, is just building into something God created. God created us to be in absolute relationship with him, and that relationship is to be filled this way. It doesn't say God loves. It doesn't say an attribute of God is love. It says God is love. That means God is patient with us. God is kind with us. God doesn't keep records of wrong with us. He is faithful to us. And he says, as my children, as the one I love, as the, one I, the, the, the reference of my love is you. I want you to love each other. And I don't want you just to love each other. I want you to encourage each other in love. I want you to encourage each other, to spur each other on, to, to help each one of us recognize that every day is another day of opportunity for love. You know, we're told that a lot of things are going to come to an end. There's a lot of things that are going to come to an end, even things within the church. There's a lot of things that are going to come to an end. There's prophesying is going to come to an end. Tongues are going to come to an end. But you know what never fails and never ends? Love. Love never fails and it never ends. Love is eternal. And so how do we do that? How do we encourage each other in love? It starts with the people in our family. It starts with the people you're going to see the rest of this week. Do you encourage love? To encourage it, you must be it. I can't tell you to have patience if I have no patience. I can't tell you to not have pride if I am full of pride. And so it begins with me. It begins with asking God, show me where are these places that I need growth? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be honest with your coworkers, with your boss, with your neighbors in these areas of love? And so we're told the one another is that the one thing we're told to do is to love each other and to encourage each other to good deeds. What are good deeds? Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Do you know that everything you do in a day can be done for the glory of God? You say, well, there's so many, you know, mundane things you do in a day. You know, all those mundane things matter. You know, brushing your teeth you can do for the glory of God. You are a temple made of the Holy Spirit. You take care of the temple for the glory of God. Getting sleep, eating right, going to work, taking care of the people in your life. All of those things can be good deeds that you're doing in the name of God of the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. There is not a thing you can do in life that God cannot claim as his unless it's sin. There is no action we take. He says whether you do this in word or you do it in deed, whether you do it through your words or you do it through your actions, if you recognize that every ounce of you can be given to the Lord for his glory, if you recognize that, you will see the truth. And we're told that we're to 
spur each other on. I'm to spur you on today. One of my responsibilities as a pastor is to encourage you, to encourage you to value every day, to value every decision, to value every relationship. Because you know what happens for all of us because we have sin natures? Is that we tend to devalue the day. We tend to devalue our decisions. We tend to devalue the people in our lives, right? We get preoccupied with things that don't really matter. We get preoccupied with the things the world says we should focus on. And God is saying, no, recognize that everything you do, whether it is a word or a deed, do it unto the Lord. Do it unto the Lord. And so my prayer is, I don't know the best way to do that for all of you, but my prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit would speak directly to you right now and he would say, this is what I'm calling you on how to love. This is what I'm calling you on how to live a life of deeds committed to me. So why did God put you here? Why are we here in this moment? What is the purpose of this? It's to focus our hearts and lives on Christ. Allow us to find our place of existence. Hebrews 10.25 says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's an interesting time we live in. You know, a lot of churches haven't even restarted yet. They're waiting till January to restart. And a lot of people that used to have a routine of going to church on Sunday are no longer in that routine. They're not even watching church anymore. And they've got comfortable living outside of the family, right? I, I, would, I listen to podcasts. I watch pastors preach all the time. But nothing takes the place of gathering together with people and worshiping God together. And so that's part of our lifestyle. That is part of how you grow as a Christian. That is part of maturing in your faith. We need each other. That's not always easy, but it's true, right? We need each other. We need the smiles. We need the hugs. We need the encouragement. We need the prayers. We need the eye contact. We need the presence. We need to know that we're not alone. We need to know that we're not isolated. We need to know we're a family and that we love each other, and we're slow to anger, and we're quick to forgive, and we're quick to encourage. You see, there was a purpose Jesus established the church. It's not a building, it's a people. It's a group of people that are connected through Christ. And that connection allows us to grow together. It allows us to encourage each other. It allows us to live lives of peace and, and, and really purpose. That we recognize that life isn't about what I get. It's not about what do I achieve. It is really how do I encourage others to love? How do I encourage other others to recognize that God put them on this earth for a purpose? There is not a person in Port Orange or Daytona or Florida or the United States or the world that was created by mistake or has no purpose or no value. Every human being on this planet, God put here on purpose. And he put this church here on purpose. And what he's calling us to do as a church and as individuals is to encourage others into love and to encourage others into good deeds. Because then you live into your created purpose. Then you live into your relationship in the family. And so is that happening in your life? And so I come back to the question, what moves you? 
What moves you in love? What moves you to do good deeds? What moves you in life? I believe what moves you will move you. You know what moves me emotionally? My family. When I think about my kids, I think about my wife, that moves me. My wife and I were talking the other day just about how fast our kids are growing up, and that makes me sad. It moves me from within. You know what moves me? When I hear God working in your life. When I hear God's doing something special in your life. You know, a lot of things that we put on the top of the list of priorities in our life don't move us. Right? A lot more money, a lot more stuff. You don't get to the end of your life and remember your Christmas present. You don't get to the end of your life and remember your birthday present. You get to the end of your life and you remember the things that moved you. And the thing that should move us more than anything else is our love for Christ. Because what moves you, moves you. What moves you in here moves you through your life. And so my question is, what moves you? Because if love moves you, then you'll encourage others and you'll spur others on to love and they will spur you on to love. If good deeds move you, if living for the Lord moves you, then you will encourage others to move with the Lord. But we have to be honest. I know there's times in my life when fear moved me. Responsibility moved me. Maybe anger moved me. And I have to deal with those things and I have to lay that at the front of the the throne of Christ and say, please take this from me because I want you to be the thing that moves me. I don't want fear of the future to be moving my life. I don't want anger to be the reason I'm moving in life. I don't want bitterness to be the reason I'm moving in life. And I don't think any of us want that. And so we need to be encouraged. We need to gather like this and remind ourselves that those are not the things that we're to focus on. Those are not the things that are to move us. We need these moments. We need other moments. We need to gather and study God's word together. We need to pray for each other. We need to support each other. And encourage each other on in love and good deeds. So what moves you? What moves you this morning? How do you apply this? I think it really comes down to where is your focus? Consider it. Last night at 7 o'clock at night, where was your focus? Today at 3 o'clock, where will your focus be? You know, right now, it's fairly easy for us to focus on these things. But God doesn't disappear when we leave these walls. Where's our focus? Where's my focus? Consider your words. What are the things you say? How do you talk? Your words show you a lot about your heart. Your words show you a lot about your focus. 
They show you a lot about what moves you. And then finally, consider your actions. What have you been doing this week? What have you been doing in your life? What does that show you about the movement in your life? See, the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing, is all of those things could be horrible. Right? All those things could be horrible. Your focus could be horrible, your words could be horrible, and your actions could be horrible. But the beautiful thing is today, you can ask God to heal you, and he will. Say, God, I need to refocus my life. I need to refocus what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I need your help. You see, the beauty of it is you don't get right and then ask God to help you. You ask God to help you and he'll get you right. It's not in your power. It's not in my power. None of us can do this. It's only him. But it is a willingness to submit. It's a willingness to say, I need this. I need you to be leading me in the way. And so for that to happen, our next steps always have to be belief in Christ. Are you twice born? Have you been born of the Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit of God come into your life? Have you confessed your sin and said, I need a Savior and receive Jesus into your life? Giving you a spiritual birth that allows you then, that allows you then to be moved by his Holy Spirit. Have you made a strong commitment? Have you made a firm commitment and said, This is who I am. I am the Lord's. I am placing the stake down here and I will be his for the rest of my life. Have you made a firm commitment in your faith? A strong commitment. A commitment that it cannot be wavering. That would be my challenge this morning. Whether we need to recommit or we need to encourage or we need encouragement. Let's submit it to God and ask his help so that what moves us will be his Holy Spirit, that we would be moved by him. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of everything that there is. And we come to you this morning and we consider our actions, we consider our thoughts, we consider our focus And Lord, we know that the day is drawing closer. Every day is one day closer to home with you. Help us, Lord, to trust. Help us to believe. And Lord, help our faith to impact our action, to impact our focus, to impact our lives. Lord, we want the things that move you and stir you to move us. We want to love like you love. We want everything that we say and do to be for your glory, that our deeds would reflect you as Lord. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we can grow and mature and be challenged. I pray, Lord, that this would not be lost or wasted, but that we would take advantage of this opportunity that you've given us to firmly commit to you in every area of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.